It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, January 20th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported 93 new coronavirus cases from Friday to Tuesday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services issued Wednesday. The new cases bring Sitka's weekly case count to 159. And while DHSS has not updated Sitka's hospitalization data for several weeks, according to search representative Megan Bozak, as of Wednesday morning, there were two COVID-positive hospitalizations at Mount Edgecombe Medical Center. To date, the state has reported 1,735 coronavirus cases in Sitka, 29 hospitalizations and six deaths. Cases in the Sitka School District increased slightly over the weekend. As of Tuesday evening, the district was reporting 28 coronavirus isolations. According to Mount Edgecombe High School Superintendent Janelle Vanoss, 33 positive coronavirus cases were discovered as students returned to campus this month. The state-run boarding school's mitigation plans require that vaccinated students quarantine until they've received a negative test. Unvaccinated students must test twice before leaving quarantine. Most of the positive cases were identified through initial arrival testing, and a few were identified after students were on campus. As of Monday evening, Vanoss said around 15 students were in isolation or quarantine, but the number was an ever-moving target. The Federal Environmental Protection Agency has concluded its investigation into an oil spill that occurred last fall near the Sitka Sound Science Center without determining a source of the oil. This bill was first reported on November 18th when oil was spotted seeping from a crack in the seawall near the Science Center's hatchery pens. The U.S. Coast Guard estimates the spill at around 10 gallons. In its initial report, the Alaska Department of Environmental Conservation identified a site on the Sitka Fine Arts Camp, which is located on the former Sheldon Jackson campus, as a possible source of the spill. But the EPA determined that wasn't the case. Sitka Fine Arts Executive Director Roger Schmidt says the camp worked with EPA officials while they were in town in late November to conduct their investigation. They did some historical investigating and they did some uh, uh, excavating of stuff and they did some testing of of oil. Uh, They found no connection between um, our campus and the oil that was coming out into the sound. So uh, they're not able to locate its source, but historically they believe that it makes sense that it would come from um, an old oil pipe that ran through that area. During their investigation, the EPA conducted interviews and reviewed historical records from the campus and the Science Center and discovered that there were numerous underground tanks in the area nearby. The team dug three test pits near the Stratton Library and collected various samples, but never found a definitive source for the spill. Yeah, we're, we're, of course, relieved. Um, we didn't want to be um, polluting anybody or anything. The Sitka Fine Arts Camp was given ownership of the former Sheldon Jackson campus in 2011 by the school's Board of Trustees. Sitka Sound Science Center Executive Director Lisa Bush says she's grateful to the EPA, DEC, Coast Guard, and Fine Arts Camp for collaborating on the investigation. We wish we could solve the mystery of where this oil um, is coming from. But a lot of work went into locating the source and, and looking for it, and we're really grateful for that. I mean, it is, it is disconcerting not to know the source because we have salmon returning and growing. You know, we have such a great water source and, and all of that. So, you know, it's just it's, it's hard not to know, but sometimes, sometimes that's just the answer. Bush says they have since patched the hole where the oil was escaping, filling the area with concrete. And so we feel really good about that. That's, that was the cost to us, and that was, that was no small cost, but that, that's what we did to, to stop the oil and to protect the area in the future. 
Bush says she is grateful that the investigation is concluded so they can move ahead on their construction project to build a new spawning and incubation facility for hatchery salmon. COVID-19 hospitalizations are up in Ketchikan. As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, that's as the Omicron variant is leading to record case numbers. Ketchikan hit a record 241 active cases of COVID-19 on Tuesday, according to a local public health dashboard. That broke the previous record set last week that was just shy of 200 cases. And these numbers do not include at-home antigen test results. State health officials say the vast majority of Alaska's new COVID-19 cases are the highly contagious Omicron variant. Peace Health Ketchikan Medical Center has 25 beds and is seeing more COVID-19 patients than usual. Peace Health Medical Group Division Chief Peter Rice says there were seven patients hospitalized on Tuesday. That number was down to five as of Wednesday. So we're we're doing okay, and we certainly have plenty of capacity to expand that. But it's uh, it's on the higher higher end of our typical COVID census. The all-time record high for COVID-19 patients in Ketchikan is nine. Rice says evidence shows Omicron is typically more mild than prior variants of COVID-19. It tends to infect the upper respiratory tract rather than the lungs. But Rice says the sheer number of infections means more people are getting sick. So some percentage of those folks are going to be sick enough to require hospitalization, require oxygen, require um, specialized uh, medications such as steroids or remdesivir, uh, require the proning position, um, things like that. While hospitalizations are up, new prescription-only treatments recently authorized by federal authorities are arriving in Ketchikan. Peace Health Ketchikan Medical Center's lead pharmacist, Satish Pata, says people with underlying conditions like obesity, diabetes, or a history of smoking should contact a doctor as soon as possible if they test positive. Time is of essence. Um, you know, if we wait too long in the disease progression, most of these treatments are not going to be effective. Pata says an antiviral pill from drug maker Merck is now available at Ketchikan pharmacies in limited quantities. He says another antiviral pill from Pfizer is not yet available in Ketchikan. The Pfizer pill was shown to be much more effective in clinical trials. Both are outpatient treatments. They are recommended within five days of onset of symptoms, these antiviral pills. Um, and patients don't qualify for this treatment if they pass the 10-day um, of onset of symptoms. Pata says the lone authorized monoclonal antibody treatment effective against Omicron is also available in Ketchikan, but supplies are similarly limited. As um, we all can understand with the surge that we are seeing, um, our resources are stretched thin. So um, it is being allocated by, um, by the government and um, we have very limited supply and we're using it as well as we can. Inpatient treatments are also available, but Pata says most mild cases can be treated like a cold. For most mildly ill patients, um, there is really no treatment necessary. Um, you can manage it um, by, um, by just getting enough rest, staying well hydrated, and taking medications for fever, aches, and pain. Um, and as, as you would manage flu, um, you can manage similarly COVID for most mildly ill patients. Rice encourages anyone with COVID-19 symptoms, like a sore throat, cough, fever, or other flu-like symptoms, to seek testing as soon as possible. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Many Alaskans living on the coast enjoy spotting whales and other marine life just outside their windows. But how much do we really know about the creatures who make their homes right alongside us? 
As KTOO's Bridget Dowd reports, there's about to be a new resource to educate tour guides, visitors, and locals about the humpback whales of southeast Alaska. A larger list of all the individual humpback whales that have been spotted swimming around Juneau already exists, and just about every local whale-watching outfit has a copy on board. But a group of marine mammal enthusiasts is working on a simplified version. The goal of the project is basically to make a mini catalog to take that well over 100 whales and shrink it down to about the 20 most commonly sighted whales in Juneau. That's Shannon Easterly. For the past few months, she and three others have been working on making a new condensed catalog of humpbacks. Easterly is a local whale watching guide in the summer, and she's been working with marine mammals all over the country for about 10 years. The new catalog will have fewer individuals in it, but will have a lot more information about each whale. Easterly says they hope to provide tour guides with more detailed profiles of Juno's most frequently spotted flukes, also known as whale tails. So a great example would be one of our whales, Flame. She is probably the most commonly sighted whale in Juno waters in recent years. The photo of her in the catalog is great. There's a little bit of information about her, says that she's a known female, things like that. But what we really want to do is build something that doesn't just include that, but also includes information like, is that whale a whale that breeds in Hawaii or in Mexico? For instance, Flame is a whale that breeds in Hawaii, and she's been sighted in Maui. And we also know that she has had calves in at least 2013, 2016, 2019, 2020, and 2021. She's a prolific lady. The new catalog will also include facts like where the whale was first recorded, where it's most commonly seen feeding, and the other animals it hangs around with. Are they typically seen alone, like Flame? prefers to be alone. It's also fun to talk about the fact that she doesn't really like killer whales and will actively avoid them or be aggressive towards them. Those little personality quirks that set one whale apart from another are some of the things that we want to include. All of the photos in the catalog were taken by one of the four guides and researchers working on the project. A lot of the data comes from a citizen science website managed by Duke University, where anyone in the world can contribute information about their own whale sightings. Easterly says the hope is that knowing more about Juno's whales will help both tour guides and tourists make more meaningful, personal connections with the animals. It's on everybody's bucket list to see a whale and we want you to take that home, not just with a pretty picture, but with a story about that animal and to know who they are so that it's an important part of your trip and maybe inform your decisions conservation-wise moving forward. So far, the mini catalog is 42 pages long, with each animal having two pages dedicated to it. When it's finished, Easterly says it will likely be distributed in Facebook groups for local whale watch guides and other social media sites. In Juno. I'm Bridget Dowd. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.